Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Gary. Welcome back to another episode of It's Personal. On this episode, Julia talks young life as a young mother, a family of educators, and her mantra for 2019. Let's go. It's about to get personal. 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 Just got personal. Gary and I just got personal. It's personal. My name is Derek Bourne. My name is Cornelia Smider. My name is Val Brown. This is Nick Hi, I'm Donalyn Miller. Hey, everyone. This is Gary, and welcome to another episode of It's Personal. As usual, I'm very, very excited. I keep saying this, but um, I think this is something that I'm going to feel as as much as I talk to people and I get to know them more. Um, I feel like we're going to be friends. One of the things I really love about you is your honesty um, and your vulnerability. Like you speak your truth and you are an amazing... Introduce yourself. Just, I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> Introduce okay. yourself okay. to everyone. Okay. I'm Julia Torres and I am a teacher librarian, language arts teacher first and librarian second. I have to say that because I just became a librarian last year mm -hmm. for the first time in my um, career as a teacher. So I'm a teacher librarian and I'm serving children in far northeast Denver right now in Denver Public Schools, which is the only urban school district in Colorado and the largest district as well. Mm -hmm. So it's a public school district. I am passionate about equity and anti-racist educational practices within public education primarily, but all education. Um, I come from a family of educators. My parents were both educators. My grandparents, in a way, were educators. My, my grandmother definitely was, but my grandfather was a social worker, and so he would go around and, and do various types of educating as well. Um, let's see. I love reading. Mm -hmm. I'm passionate about reading. Awesome. I'm a book nerd through and through, so... You know, I'm going to always have a book in my purse, mm -hmm. an audio book on my phone, if not a couple, mm -hmm. a book at work, mm -hmm. a book on my bedside table, if not several. <laughs> so that's that's kind of like how I like to live my life, mm -hmm. surrounded by books. And my mother was a librarian after she was an educator, so mm -hmm. that makes sense. Um, I grew up in a house full of books. So, that's amazing. You know, I, product of my environment I'm always uh -huh. reading different things that's amazing things. we before every podcast I ask this question so I've had I don't know maybe five or six people so far that I've talked to and the 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 results have been a little bit even so I'm, I'm curious of what you are going to think um Tupac or Biggie Tupac, man. Tupac. <laughs> and, and I'm going to say it because I'm West Coast, you know. That's and, that's and done I, deal. <laughs> I love them both. I really do. But for me, like, Pac just has that poetic soul that just, you know, resonates uh -huh. with who I am as a person. Uh -huh. so, uh -huh. I love hearing your story about having educators in your family. Um, would you say, I'm probably going to just say it without even asking, but it seems like that has been obviously a huge influence on you. It has been. I grew up in a family full of people who really valued education, all types of education. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I grew up in a family full of people who believed in stoking the fires of curiosity that one might have mm -hmm. about the world and then finding out answers for yourself to things that you're curious about. So um, I guess I just kind of said the same thing twice, but my grandmother, she was Bermudian, 
So I would go to Bermuda in the summers and go visit her. She was a superintendent of schools in Bermuda, and she was also, I can't remember the, the British term for it, but she was like a head of schools mm -hmm. in, for a school called Bishop Spencer Academy. And she also traveled to the prisons in Bermuda, and she taught various things like creative writing and origami and the arts to prisoners mm -hmm. as a way of sort of wow. therapy. Wow. So she was doing these things long before I was born. Mm -hmm. And it is something that I see as being in my veins, you know, mm -hmm. in my blood. Mm -hmm. And just like a lot of us people of color, we feel that call to action, we feel that resonance mm -hmm. of, of resistance, mm -hmm. that fire of resistance in us that has been carried down through generations. Mm -hmm. I also feel that spirit, that teacher spirit, mm -hmm. as being something that just came very naturally to me because it's something that's carried down through the generations mm -hmm. of my family. Wow. What would you say your like you talked about it a little bit before, um, what did your like household look like when you were younger? So I was raised by my mother. Um, my father, she and my father separated when I was two, and we moved to Texas first. And living in Texas, my mom was going to Texas Women's University in Austin, mm -hmm. and she was learning to be a librarian. Um, and I, I, I don't really remember too much about Austin, but I remember Richardson, Texas a lot. And we lived, which is a suburb outside of Dallas. And my mom being at that point, by the time we moved to Dallas, she was a librarian. Um, she worked for a transportation company called Data Trek, I believe. Mm -hmm. And no, that was in California, Data Trek. So we moved to California after Texas. But while we lived in Texas, she worked for Dallas Area Rapid Transit. She was in charge of their research library. Mm -hmm. So she put all of that together. So, you know, I had a lot of books. I had a mom who believed in education. She mm -hmm. sent me to Montessori school from when I was pre-kindergarten. Mm -hmm. So I'd go to Montessori school and then I would go back to Richardson to our small apartment that was what some might say in the ghetto. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to school with very rich, very privileged, mostly white kids. Sure. And then I'm living around all black kids. Mm -hmm. So you could say in a way that I felt like star, mm -hmm. right? From yeah, totally. I had consciousness from early on. Mm -hmm. And because of the way that I talked, you know, my mom was always trying to correct my speech. Mm -hmm. I remember saying, I'm finna do this, that, and the other. And she would say, you're finna what? You're not finna <laughs> do nothing, sister. You know, she like she didn't talk like that, but she would correct me. I mean, she was very uh -huh. uh, vigilant or, uh -huh. or yeah, uh, attentive to mm -hmm. my speech, mm -hmm. which is why I speak the way that I do, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So, um, growing up with my mom, spending summers in Bonita with my grandmother, and then I would spend Christmas in Cincinnati with my grandfather who is also a lover of literature. Wow. He would, in another life, he would have been a writer, but mm -hmm. he grew up in Cincinnati in the 30s, and they told him he needed to be a carpenter because he was a black wow. man. Wow. So he resisted, and he became a social worker. He went on to Wilberforce University and got his degree and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But I think that's always been something that, that he was never really fully able to realize, being a writer. But he does write. Mm -hmm. He goes to a writing group. He's 96. He wow. goes to a writing group and he um, reads and writes and discusses books still to this day with this, this group of people. 
that is is I think miraculous. I think that's so awesome that he does that. That's amazing. That yeah. is amazing. So you're just like surrounded by literature and books and like that knowledge your whole life. It sounds like right. I have been, which you know, it sounds really obvious that I would be an English teacher uh-huh, and uh-huh. a librarian, uh-huh. given the the juices. Of course, that me, of course, you know? of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's I. I would go and pull random books off of my mom's shelf mm-hmm. when, I, and I was always reading things that were quote unquote above my level. Sure, because my mom had wall to wall bookshelves in our apartment. So I read like, um, I don't know if you've heard of this book, but I think it's called Communion. Mm-hmm. And it's about Betty and Barney Hill who claimed that they were abducted by aliens in the 60s. Wow, I and have not. <laughs> it is intense. And I read that when I was like 10. Wow. You know? Wow. <laughs> so I mean, and it, it's long. And it's I, I, I'm pretty sure that I read it multiple times because it's just really interesting. Mm-hmm. So I read that. And then she had metaphysical stuff. And um, the only book that I did not read was Stephen King's It, because the movie was on TV and it freaked me <laughs> out. And I would turn that book around so that the, the spine would yeah. like, away from me while I would eat dinner. Good for you. That were in Good for you. <laughs> I couldn't stand it. It was. I just remember that book. You know, hardbound and had a black cover, and the clown was on the spine. That was scary. It's spooky. Haven't read that one. Wow. What would you say, going back to like your schooling and you kind of compared it to Star, um, what was that like for you? Like, what would you say? Would you say it was, was it uplifting? Was it motivational? Was it, I'm sure like your your mind must have been like racing at times, like figuring out things. Like, what did that look like for you? My mother attempted to kind of balance things out sure. by sending me to a daycare program. Um, that was called New Mount Zion, and she would just <laughs> right now. And she's listening to this because she, it, it brings up all kinds of, you know, regret on her part for having sent me to New Mount Zion. Um, so I went to New Mount Zion. It was a it was a daycare with all black kids in a black church, mm-hmm. African Methodist Episcopal. So she attempted to kind of balance my education, so to speak, formal and informal, by having me in both. The um, St. Alphonse Montessori was where I went when I was a little girl. And then New Mount Zion. Well, New Mount Zion didn't work out for a variety of reasons that I won't go into here. But then she sent me to an Oak Lawn Methodist, which was a, another daycare in a Methodist church. And I loved it. And I was surrounded by black kids and getting that socialization with sure. people who were like me sure. in that environment. So Oak Lawn Methodist was cool. I loved it. I have lots of stories from Oak Lawn that were great. Um, but at the Montessori school, Montessori really encourages independence. Mm-hmm. So I credit that experience with giving me a lot of my independence. I'm as an employee and also as a creator, somebody who really does well on my own. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, in Montessori, it's self-paced, a lot of it. And I still remember learning math with those those um, beads that are on those copper... Um, yeah, yeah. They're on copper thread. I don't uh-huh. know how to describe it, but I remember, you know, just like you explore the concepts and you do the little exercises and whatnot. And you give lessons to kids that are younger than you. Um, but that was how I learned. So I, I, that is still how I learn. It's very much independently. That's how I learn best, I guess. Mm-hmm. Independently on my own through exploration. Mm-hmm. So you could say that, you know, my early Montessori education really did 
shaped me from then on. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we moved from Texas to California, and I was in a mostly white environment in Cardiff-by-the-Sea, California, in a little suburb with a bunch of white kids. There were a few children of color, but not many, mm-hmm. in a beautiful seaside town. I mean, it was just idyllic to grow up there, and mm-hmm. I still have one of my very best friends, her name is Sarah. Shout out, I love you forever. <laughs> Shout out to Sarah. <laughs> she, on the first day of school, asked me to make butter with her in a baby food jar. And, you know, it was awkward because I'm this black kid from Texas showing up in California mm-hmm. in this, you know, kind of seaside town, not knowing anyone. And she immediately came right over to me and asked me if I wanted to be her partner. Wow. This, you know, butter making. And she's blonde. I wonder why, why did she, I wonder why she did that. I should ask her. I think one day we talked about it and she said that she always had a soft spot for folks who she felt were kind of like loners mm-hmm. or on their own. And mm-hmm. I think I kind of gave her that vibe. Mm-hmm. But you know, Sarah is definitely my soul sister. She is, awesome. um, and, and that's been really amazing for me. So I think often folks in our social justice world, mm-hmm. we can get really polarized and we can also become really radical in our sure. thinking and it becomes harder to see the middle mm-hmm. and Sarah really helps me stay grounded because she, she lives in Oakland she's lived in Oakland for like 20 years now mm-hmm. um and she's got a whole tattoo body and mm-hmm. she has like the most beautiful amazing colorful do you still talk to her story. oh yeah all the time that's amazing yeah she calls herself my Texas support that's amazing Oh yeah, that's. I see her. I try to see her once a year if I can. But uh-huh. um, yeah, she's she's just my soul sister. I love her to death. That's amazing. I think it's so funny how like experiences like that. Like you were how old were you when you met Sarah? Eight. Eight years eight. old. Like it's crazy how powerful those experiences are. Like you remember everything that happened. Like like it was yesterday. Like when she did it why she did it like how you were feeling during that time and then now it's it's in, it seems like it has influenced you like so much um we talk I about think we do that for each other uh, yeah, yeah yeah that's amazing that's amazing what would you did you, did you have siblings i do i have an older brother okay his name is charles mm-hmm. he is my mother's age mm-hmm. because my father had a child each decade, mm-hmm. one in the 50s, one in the 60s, and then I was at the very end of the 70s, <laughs> 1980. Uh-huh. So, so, so um, my brother Charles is um, he's incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm the baby, so you know, when I go see him, I just get spoiled. Uh-huh. As you uh, should. The story of how we became reunited is a little bit fantastical, and you, you know, Listeners may think this is crazy, but um, we were actually, I didn't know where he was for a very long time because my father lost touch with my mother and, you know, they weren't in contact with one another for Mm -hmm. a very long time. So, turned out, my dad was living in Long Beach, California. He got a private investigator to try to find me, though I was just in San Diego. Well... The private investigator um, found me, and the Lisa Gibbons show, I don't know if you remember her, I, but... That's crazy. Yes, the Lisa Gibbons show found my mom. It was like, we are doing a show on three-sided siblings. Would you like to be on it? And so my mom was like, okay, 
So she tells me that we're going up to Hollywood to go beyond the show about her knitwear design, because she's a knitwear designer uh -huh. as well. So we go up there to Hollywood, and I'm sitting in the audience, and all of a sudden, Lisa Gibbons comes up to me out of all of the audience members and says, I remember her saying, right after we come back from this commercial break, one of you is going to get to meet one of your lost relatives. And I was like, oh, this is weird. Well, then she goes to my mom and asks my mom if she has anything that she would like to tell me. And so my mom says, you know that you have a brother and he's actually in the audience. And so I turn around and there he was. And he had a teddy bear and a That's crazy. And I started to cry and it was emotional. And, you know, so we just have this big dramatic TV reunion. And then the Lisa Gibbons show pays and we go out to Philadelphia and spend time with him. Wow. And so we went and did that. And that was when I was about, I think I was 15. Mm -hmm. And that died when I was 14. Wow. So I left him think of it as a way of him from the other side kind mm -hmm. of bringing us together. Mm -hmm. Because that the way that whole thing went down was just weird. Like my brother writes to Lisa Gibbons, Lisa Gibbons chooses him, mm -hmm. and then we get reunited on TV in this big thing. It's meant to happen. So, it was meant to happen. It was meant to happen. And I definitely think that, you know, when two souls are meant to be, mm -hmm. there's nothing that you can think about. Mm -hmm. So, um, that is an amazing story. <laughs> oh my gosh. I've, 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 I've never, like, you have video? You must have video. Like, you have, I do. You have video and I have a little Polaroid too. That is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, right. I'm like, so, I'm, I'm just like trying to think like how, like you said, like how is that even possible? Like of all ways to, to find out and, and to see him, it's on a show and you like, you don't even know, like you're just like sitting there and then all of a sudden it happens. Like I can only imagine the amount of like emotions and feelings oh, yeah. at that time. Like that is incredible. Wow. That's amazing. That is yeah. amazing. What it what would what would you say what would you what do you want what would you want people to know about you? Something that they may not know. I think the tricky part about online is that sometimes um, and I think you do and I'll talk to to the audience about this a little bit later. Um, something that you do very well is like, again, you talk about like yourself through your blog, like very explicitly, like these are personal stories. Um, and I think for anyone out there, like, like, please go and check it out. Like I read the most recent one about your daughter and like, you're like an amazing, like you're an amazing writer. Like honestly, like very descriptive. Um, and it just flows very, very well. And like you, to a T, like the details, like I almost find myself like a fly on the wall, like watching it all happen. And I think for me as a, uh, a reader, um, I'm very visual, like I need to see pictures and images. Um, but when a writer's able to do that through their words, so like vividly, like you have, like it makes me as a reader or a learner feel very, very good. So um, no, honestly, and I'm, you can't make it up. Like it's there, like the proof is there on the blog. <laughs> so, um, could you share like a little bit about like that story? Um, and like, I, I, I feel like, you know, don't say it all because I actually do want people to go and read it because it is a very, very powerful piece of writing. Um, thank and I'm you. like, thank you for sharing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it's January, and my baby's birthday's in January, so mm. 
so you start thinking about all of the things that have sort of come together, everything that conspired to come together to make you the person that you are at the end of the year, you know, mm -hmm. of course, as they're reflecting and setting goals and intentions for the new year. But then I always, always stop to think about how fortunate I am mm -hmm. and how things could have gone another way. Um, for those of you who are looking for a little preview, the, the blog is about my um, being pregnant with my first baby. She's now 15. I was 23 years old and it was my first pregnancy and without giving away too much i suppose you could say that um it didn't go as i, I expected mm -hmm. and I, I guess i spoiled it a bit by letting you know that he's 15. Mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of um, but not really like i think again for me it's like that's like the tip like that's not even like that's nothing in like you have to like you honestly just have to read it like i don't even think it does you can say anything you want right now, but like, yeah, yeah. And I can say that, you know, for me, it wasn't so much about scaring people into being where I was, as it was about recognizing all of the things that happened, beginning, middle, and end, that I mm -hmm. recognize and accept as miraculous. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it, it was horrible. Mm -hmm. It was horrible. Mm -hmm. And it was magical and fantastic. Yeah. And it was terrifying. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was a miracle. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, and I, I, I guess I can't describe it any other way, but, um, you know, people say it's very cliche to say babies are miracles. Mm -hmm. And they are. Mm -hmm. All babies are miracles. Mm -hmm. um, I believe hugs are miracles mm -hmm. because I believe that that's like the moment that. you just open yourself up and you're I like, like that. receiving and giving. And I you're, like you're open mm -hmm. in that moment. Mm -hmm. Some people say it's kind of a much and that tells you something. It does. I, oh my gosh, I totally agree with you. I'm, and I am a hugger as well. And I, you can tell, like you can yeah. really tell, like, and you, you could almost tell if they want to, like, you can honestly tell if they want to hug you. And then with the type of hug, you can tell, I don't want to say the type of person they are, but you feel something. Like you can, you do, you really, really do. I agree. That is why I'm a hugger because, like, the nature of the hug, mm -hmm. how quick it is, how short it is. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I mean, you, you learn some things. You really, moment, really so. do. I totally agree with you. I totally I agree. With you. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I could say about that story. It is about as much about why I am who I am mm -hmm. as it is how I became who I am. Mm -hmm as it is why I remain fixed and driven to do the things I do. Um, you know, my daughter's my best friend. And people mm -hmm. say, oh, you shouldn't be friends with your kids. You know, that's that's a conflict when you're friends with your kids. She knows I'm her mother. Mm -hmm. Trust of me. Of course. She knows. Of course. But she's my best friend. Mm -hmm. And she makes me laugh until I cry. And we do all kinds of things together. Mm -hmm. And we challenge each other. That should be. Follow each other on our stuff, mm -hmm. and you know we have this complex but also really beautiful relationship. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful because I know that it could have gone another way, and I might not have had her in my life. Mm -hmm. And you know, lots of things happened. Her name's Josie. Mm -hmm. She's shout out to Josie. <laughs> she, she appreciate that. She's right now, but she appreciate that. <laughs> shout out to Josie. Josie is. Mm -hmm. 
and I have a son as well that I'll write about and talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, my journey of being his mom looks a little bit different because sure. it's my second baby. Sure. But, you know, I would never say that one is more important than the other, but there is nothing like that first experience mm-hmm. of holding a little person that you made in your arms mm-hmm. and recognizing that not only do you want to give them the world, you would sacrifice your life in a heart for them mm-hmm. without any kind of problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it helps you recognize how much your parents love you. And it's just a miracle. So mm-hmm. I felt like it was really appropriate to talk about in the season of miracles, um, all of the things that I did. And when I write, some blog posts are received better than others. Right. Some mm-hmm. people totally ignore Mm-hmm. Some people rave about, I'm sometimes surprised, but mm-hmm. I write for myself. And so mm-hmm. as far as what I would want people to know about me, writing is my creativity. It is, I am, regardless of what people might think, a little bit shy. I'm an mm-hmm. Aries, so people assume that I'm an extrovert. Mm-hmm. I'm a teacher, so people assume that I'm an extrovert. Mm-hmm. I'm a public person now, I guess, so people assume that I, I love being out and you know in, mm-hmm. I'm one of the people mm-hmm. I really like books mm-hmm. I like animals I like to be you know in nature mm-hmm. um, I like traveling a lot and mm-hmm. exploring but I love when I'm in a new city going for a walk through the places of the city that no one would think to go mm-hmm. sometimes just by myself I love going to museums by myself mm-hmm. so I am one who really enjoys their own company and it takes a really special person um, I have another really close friend named Renee. Mm-hmm. I call her Nene. And then, you know, Nene, like, she understands. We were just talking about this last night. We had a three-hour phone conversation. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but she gets, like, my compunction to be on my own. Mm-hmm. Because I am also, like, really cerebral. I'm a very um, cerebral person. So I like to think about things. And it's difficult to do when you're with someone else unless that person is a soulmate, in which case I feel like they just vibe with you on that same energetic wavelength. Sure. You don't always need to talk. And they just kind of get where you are and mm-hmm. you don't have to explain anything mm-hmm. or worry about hurting their feelings or anything like that. That's always nice. So, it is. It's yeah. relaxing. That's very... Because yeah. it's letting so low pressure. Like, you, 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 the expectations are very little, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I really like that. Yeah, yeah. I really like that. Um, I remember reading when I was reading through your blog, like you talked a lot about like independence and then it came up again today, like just through the podcast, how you were saying how like growing up that's something that like that was kind of ingrained in me, like just being independent through like the school system. Um, do you feel like you are now taking a lot of the things that you've either learned through school or through like your parents or um, cousins and uncles like that? You're that's basically what you're doing now with like your kids like are you feeling like you're kind of transitioning some of those same morals or um same ideas with some of the stuff that you're teaching them you know my daughter is very independent mm-hmm. partially she just told me two days ago i'm an independent black woman okay <laughs> she just said that those words shout out again me. josie <laughs> shout out josie okay. um she knows who she is so josie is very independent and she I think had to be because she was the oldest child mm-hmm. um, my son is a little bit less independent because he's the baby but what is really cool about my son 
is that he also has a, a very strong sense of who he is. And I think that what I love the most about him is his compassion. In this world that encourages males not to be empathetic, not to be compassionate, he is very much those things. So his strength, I think, is and one of his gifts that he's been given is his ability to connect with people and his vibe with people and to bring people together. So I don't know that independence is, is really a word I would use to describe him or something I'm trying to instill in him mm-hmm. because I really have an appreciation for the way he operates with other people. Of course. Mm-hmm. I think and his interconnectedness. Yeah, I think it's... I we Like, me and my wife, we got married about a year ago now. And... Um, I think, thank you, thank you. I think um, when we talk about um, as teachers and we, we look at kids and we often, like you would see, like you see kids and there, there's so many different personalities in the classroom um, and you see things that had to be taught or um, they've had to experience just like growing up in general. Um, and I think the cool part is that they also, even though they're getting those things, they're finding themselves as well yes um, which is like the most important part um, I love teaching teenagers for that reason because yeah. they're still kind of malleable mm-hmm. still kind of open to new things mm-hmm. but they are really strong in what they they think they know as truth <laughs> what they they think that you know sure. this is the way the world works sure. and how people do it etc sure you know they're, they're pretty convinced that mm-hmm. they know how it works mm-hmm. so uh, yeah I love what they do yeah, I, I I do. My my wife teaches right now. She's teaching sixth grade. She taught eighth grade for a little bit. Um, I've always done lower elementary, um, but I've always coached um, girls or boys basketball in high school and middle school. Um, and just having those conversations, I love the little. Kid. I like I'm an elementary teacher by heart, um, but I love having conversations with older kids. Just um, they are so yeah, they're exactly what you said. Like they. They believe they know so much. Um, they love sharing what they know, and they even if they don't know, they they're still sharing. I just love that they have those personalities, and you can see a little bit of what they will look like when they get older. I think um, it's really really cool. Yeah, it's really really cool. So I have one more question for you, okay? Okay. Um, and then we'll get into how people can find you because I think again. Um, I don't under I don't really understand how people can be so kind and generous. Like I, I love it, and I feel like I try to continue to do that as well. Um, but yeah. like people like yourself who consistently are saying yes and sharing information and helping other educators, um, I'm like very appreciative. I'm, I'm very well, very appreciative. I really really am. I receive too. I receive, I have people, lots of people, Cornelius is one, mm-hmm. constantly filling up my cup. Um, when I have a hard day or something's going on and I need someone to just like, you know, help me come to rest. Mm-hmm. Various people in circle who lift me up. And so I think that it's, it's a way of giving back. But also, I firmly believe, and I cannot emphasize this enough, you attract what you are. I agree. So, and I'll, I'll say that again, you attract what you are. Mm-hmm. So if you want to roll in a negative, harsh, judgmental, competitive, nasty way, mm-hmm. that is what you will receive. 
Wow. If you want to roll in a loving, giving, generous, supportive way, that is what you will receive. Wow. So I believe that there. You know, I firmly believe that. Wow. That's like a mic drop. Literally, the last question was, what would you say in front of teachers? If you had a message to share with teachers, what would it be? And I think that is exactly it. Like, I am a strong believer in that as well. Like, I am one of those, I'm very optimistic. Um, I believe that kindness rules everything. Um, I believe that's one of the main things we should be teaching kids of how do you be nice to each other. Like, I think sometimes we get so lost in curriculum and assessments and like all that stuff that we forget that the person and the social skills are so important. Um, I think so too, and I think that a lot of folks think that if you're going to be in social justice work, you got to just leave with this sort of truth, which you do, mm-hmm. but you don't have to be hateful, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't have to cut people down, mm-hmm. and that's the basis of, of where you're coming from. Yeah. Yes, it is necessary to ask the questions, mm-hmm. to take people to task, mm-hmm. to engage in the difficult conversations, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's necessary to cut people down, mm-hmm. to bring them down to size and have that be your no, I really don't. No, and you I still have know. to listen, right? You still have to listen. Like, I think that's a huge part of, like, that social justice is listening to other people's experiences and opinions because how are they, like, as soon as you do that, they're done. Like, they don't want, they, everything you say is not even valuable anymore. They don't want to hear from you, right? I agree. Yeah. And you may have succeeded in bringing that person down to size, mm-hmm. but you've cut off all future opportunities that, that could have happened had you decided to leave with love instead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, there are lots of folks who will disagree with me and that's fine. I know where I'm coming from and I know what I'm about and I refuse to be distracted by people mm-hmm. whose energy does not match with mine. So mm-hmm. that is definitely my mantra for 2019. If your energy is not matching, we can, you can unfollow, we can, you know, go our separate ways. Clearly my life mission is not in line with yours and that is okay. I am okay with that. I release you to your journey. I'm gonna do what I do and you do you. Boom. <laughs> and I refuse to be distracted by people mm. whose energy does not match with mine. So mm. that is definitely my mantra for 2019. If your energy is not matching, we can you can unfollow, we can you know go our separate ways. Clearly, my life mission is not in line with yours, and that is okay. I am okay with that. I release you to your journey. I'm gonna do what I do, and you do you. Boom. <laughs> you are awesome you just like i'm gonna go back through this like podcast and just like start writing down like all of your quotes <laughs> i'll be tweeting them out to you don't worry <laughs> where where can people find you if people are looking to find you on your blog or your um twitter account and i'm i'm i feel like i'm still um i'm i feel like i'm still new to twitter um i'm tweeting a lot more often now like this year um, but I swear by it to everybody, I will take Twitter over Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, anything, any day. And I think it's because there's so many real conversations happening in dialogue between educators who actually care. There's no fluff. Like, there's, it's there. I'm, I, I mind you, it's there. But like, if you are, I don't want to say following the right people, but if you're looking for something, like you can really make that circle or that community 
and you can really find it. And those conversations are happening every single day. Um, Absolutely, 24-7. 24-7. So, yes, there's that opportunity to be enriched, and that's why I like it so much. I'm on Twitter at Julia Aaron 80, J-U-L-I-A-E-R-I-N 80. Of all the forms of social media, I agree with you about Twitter, and I like it for that, that enrichment that comes from it um twitter is where you can find me if you want to talk to me so come on awesome and i and i'll and i will vouch for you because i think i might have had you on my twitter account for not even a year now and every time i send a message or i tweet you something or i ask you a question you're engaged like <laughs> i don't I, and that's the thing, like, I, I know that people are busy, like, everyone online has, most people online that I know of, especially the educators, like, they have a job, like, they are on their nine to five, like, they are working, but if yeah. I don't get a message right away, like, I don't know how this happens, but, like, people respond, like, if you were genuinely asking questions about how to be a better educator or, like, anything real, um, people, We're here for you. people are there for you, um, and yeah. I think it is all about like finding your community, um, telling your truths, and being vulnerable. Um, so again, I thank you for that. I am so happy that I got to talk to you today. Great, it uplifted my spirits, and I'm feeling more energized a little bit, so I can like maybe watch some TV or something. <laughs> And then I'm going to go back to bed. What are you watching right now? What, what are you watching right now? The Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale. Uh-huh. Awesome. My yeah. wife My wife has gone through a few of those. How many seasons? Are, is it just two seasons? There's, there's only two seasons. Okay. So I think and she's gone I'm, through both of them. I like to save them so I can just kind of just go crazy and uh -huh. watch it all uh -huh. and then not watch anything for a while. <laughs> I was very disappointed that Black Mirror did not come out. I know. So upset. So upset, like I can't. I, I don't even know. I watched um, Bird Box, uh -huh. and that was really interesting. And then I watched Bandersnatch, and I was just like, man, I don't think I can go back again. As much as I enjoy <laughs> the, the making the choices, uh -huh. I, I can go through it again. Yeah. So I won't be watching that one again. But um, yeah, I, I I balance my reading with my TV watching, mm -hmm. but the TV watching, to be honest, happens mostly on break. Good for you. So, Everyone has the... You need that, though. Like, come on. Everyone needs mm -hmm. to get away and escape. Definitely. Right? Mm -hmm. um, so, thank you so yes, much. Thank you. Honestly. So I know it's, it's so crazy like again it's like you have these conversations and you're talking to people and you feel like oh like yeah like I I feel like I know this person like somewhat like we kind of talk once in a while but then you never get to actually see them or like talk to them and I think it goes such a long way because I think like you were saying like kind of like the hug like you can really get a sense of who the person is just by like mm -hmm. actually seeing their face their mannerisms or whatever um, online is difficult. It's hard. Like people yeah. can fidge and move yeah. and navigate and adjust everything to make them feel yeah. or look a certain way. Um, yeah, this is real. Sure. Like I see you, you see me, we're having a conversation. 
Um, I got you. I got you too. <laughs> Julia, thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Can't wait to hear it, and all you people out there, can't wait to meet you. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs>